Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 41. In today's interview, we'll be picking the brain of one of the most well-known video creators in our space, Bob Claggett at I Like to Make Stuff. We dive into a ton of topics from his beginnings to his sprint to go full-time and how he stayed organized and consistently putting out content weekly for the past three years. And to cap it off, he gives some great insights on managing life as a business owner and a family man. Yeah, Bob got into business starting in 2013, making content. And since then, he has jumped on YouTube and has gained over 1.7 million subscribers. He continues to be one of the largest influence in the maker community. And Bob has been a massive inspiration to myself and Brad. So for uh, years, we've both been looking up to him and we're super excited to have him on the show. Absolutely. And that is million with an M. Yes, he, he has quite the following. Uh, so we're actually recording this episode before episode 40. So John and I will be traveling in, in New York City. Uh, so we want to go ahead and thank any patrons who joined that following week. And we will be giving you guys all a shout out in episode 42. But without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Bob Claggett. <laughs> all right, guys, today we have somebody that I am sure all of you know, we have one of our good friends, Bob Claggett. Bob, what is up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Not much. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think that um, you've been an inspiration to a ton of our listeners, especially me. I remember when I found you, actually, I think this was like, I've told you this story before, but it was way back when when you built the couch. You did the time lapse where you built that outdoor couch. <laughs> Wow. And I was like, yeah, I think you had, I mean, I, you definitely had under 10,000 followers when I first started following you. And I was like, and I, I remember going and looking at your blog, but, and then being like, man, this guy is amazing, but you didn't have any following. And then, you know, then the rest is history, but uh, <laughs> man, welcome to the show. Your, your YouTube channel is, is amazing. It's an inspiration for all of us. Um, and we're excited to talk to you today about kind of how you manage it and, and all those things that go behind. I like to make stuff. Right on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't get to talk a lot of business on my podcast, so I'm actually kind of <laughs> interested in talking about that. Yeah, yeah, we got a similar reaction out of Spags when he was on the show. He's like, this is this is different. You know, his podcast is also on the other end of the spectrum. He's talking about woodworking. So we're excited to have right. you dive into a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. I'm going to hear about how you keep all of the madness that goes into the the brand of I Like to Make Stuff now. Yeah, so we we obviously had a little bit of an intro here before we started, but like, what's what's your little elevator pitch? Why don't you give us kind of the, the thirty seconds on I like to make stuff and what your goals are with your channel and your business? Oh man, um, well, there's kind of two pitches there. So there's one when people ask me what I do for a living, I get to say like I just make whatever I want. <laughs> that's it, <laughs> which is like the coolest thing in the world. Um, so th yeah, that's my response when people ask what I do, but as far as like the purpose of it all and, you know, the, the pitch for it that I give myself to make sure that I'm staying on track. Um, I guess like the whole thing is I, I think people generally people 
don't think that they can do as much as they can actually do. And so I like to make stuff is built around the idea of me trying to learn things all the time, trying to do new stuff and collect skills for the sake of showing other people that like, you don't have to be anybody special to, to be able to learn to do whatever you want to do. You know, like you're capable of more than you think. Um, right. So by making all these random projects and just like coming up with an idea and trying my best to execute it, I'm just trying to set the example and just trying to show people that like everything is made of other stuff. And so if you learn the other stuff, then you can probably make whatever you want to have. Right. Yeah. Just the, the building blocks. I love that idea. And I know there's just such a thirst out there, especially with kind of the, the, the generational change of people getting and wanting to work more with their hands and stuff. It's, it's really cool to see and be a part of that community uh, with you. And it's so like how, so how many years now have you been doing kind of give us the, the, the breakdown? Cause I know, so a lot of our listeners are doing the side hustle. We have a lot of people that do product, but we do have a lot of people that are really interested in content and, and you were at WorkbenchCon with us and uh, you know, we got to meet a lot of those folks and a lot of those folks are, mm-hmm. are there. So, so give us that, that quick, background of of when you started doing the blog to then when it started becoming the side hustle and then when you went full time and just to kind of give people an idea of what your journeys look like to get where you're at right now. Gotcha. Yeah, I did software development for years and years and years. And so while I was doing that, I decided to start kind of a blog on the side to make some stuff with my hands again. And that was in 2013 uh, or February of 2013, I think. And so the idea was just to have a blog, just to kind of do some blog posts about the projects. Um, and it was a really loose idea at that point. I did a few kind of heavy duty blog posts, you know, with lots of description and lots of photos and just realized that I just disliked the process. Like it was too, it took too much work to get across what I wanted to get across. And I realized that video would be simpler for me. It's funny because I had a conversation this morning about how, Video is easier for me to get an idea across, but that's not the case for everybody. You know, some people enjoy writing more. So anyway, um, I started making videos. And then as soon as I started making videos, I saw potential and I saw like this video for what I'm doing. Video is the perfect medium to reach people. And I saw people being reached immediately and, you know, saw the possibility of it. So within, I don't know, maybe six months or so, it was something that I was doing on a pretty regular basis. Um, And then maybe I did that kind of as a hobby, as kind of a side thing, not really expecting it to make any money, but more like it needed to pay for itself and probably did it that way for about a year, maybe. And then it was, it was starting to make money. And I was like, that's weird. Money's coming in. What what, what do I do with this? You know? Um, And so that was the point where I had to kind of decide, like, if I want it to make money, I have to put in more time and a little more effort. And so I started kind of testing the waters there, putting in a little bit more time, more weekends and all that. And honestly, since then it's been a blur. I don't even remember <laughs> like there's a big section of time that I don't quite remember how things happened. Cause the next thing I really remember was just struggling really hard with, do I turn this into a job? Like, do I try to do this? Do I leave software where I'm making really good money? I'm working from home. It's not, terribly difficult, you know, like I had a great setup. Do I really leave all that to try to do this thing? And is YouTube really a job that's legitimate enough to, to, you know, like risk my family's well-being and all that stuff? Is it that legitimate? And so I found myself in that position. And then, uh, when, once I'm decided to make the jump it, we waited about nine months 
I did a kind of what I call a sprint for nine months where I worked both jobs full time. And that was really, really hard. Um, but at the end of that nine months, I knew exactly that, you know, exactly where I needed to go. Uh, software had to go, had to leave, and I had to do this full time. And that was almost three years ago. So I've been doing this full time for three years in May. Wow, man, crazy. that that yeah, that is crazy. I remember you sitting on your porch giving the "I quit" <laughs> yeah. speech, uh, which would have been in Savannah, right? So you've yep. since moved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, that that is that is awesome to hear. I mean, I think it's just cool uh, also to hear. You know, five years ago, you weren't even doing this. You know, yeah. so if you start November of of thirteen, five years ago, you you were just probably thinking about, man, I should start making stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that seems like a lifetime ago, honestly. That's so crazy. Right. Yeah. Five years. Where were you five years ago, John? You were, you were still in the NFL. My, weren't yeah. You? My hand five was, my hand was still in the dirt. I was still playing football and I was in my, uh, I was in my early twenties. So it was like, it was a lifetime ago. Now that I looking back on it, I'm gonna, and I, and I find it interesting because I mean, I think a lot of our listeners, including myself, have all gone through that process of, you know, like, is this the move? Like, quote unquote, like, could this actually work? And I and I and I really dig that idea of the nine month sprint because um I talked about it a little bit and, and my work bench con thing is like you gotta you gotta put your hard hat on and like go to work in order to make the jump on. I remember when Brad was in that process too, you know. Um, why don't you touch? I'd love to hear you touch a little bit more on like, you know, what that in, entailed for you and and like set, you know, kind of set expectations for the audience on like how much work actually goes into setting yourself up in order to take that jump. Cause we get a ton of questions on taking yeah, the side yeah. hustle to full time. Yeah. And you're, and, and I've heard you talk about it several times, Bob. And that was, you know, when I was doing it, I, I, I put that in my mind and honestly, I, I was not able, like, I was like, I'm going to do this, like what Bob, and I was not able to do it. So I, yeah, I, I definitely would love to hear kind of how, you know, the thought process, not just how you did it, but um, more of the difficulties, you know, get into the, yeah. the nitty gritty. Cause I think it's, it's cause I tried it and I couldn't do it, man. I literally couldn't mm. do it until I, until I really took the plunge. Yeah. So, well, I, I talked about this in my book. Some, there's a, a kind of full description of, of how I did it and everything, but basically, you know, we wrestled, my wife and I wrestled with, well, I wrestled with whether I could do this. She was always like, yeah, sure. Go for it. Quit your job. That's cool. <laughs> um, but I wrestled with, you know, whether it was realistic. And then eventually we got to a point where I said, okay, let's, let's sprint. Let's take a, a section of time. And I think this is really key. I think it's really important that you pick a length of time. Don't say like, I'm going to sprint and do both jobs full time until one works, because I think that is how you get to burnout. And that's how you get to like, you know, distancing yourself from your family and from the people around you because you're just working so much. And if that doesn't have an end date on it, that will that will just go on. It, depending on your personality type, that can just go on and go on and go on. And you can get burnt out and alienated from the people around you. That's bad. That's bad for everything. So uh, we picked around, I don't remember exactly, but it was around nine months. We said, you know, at this date, nine months from now, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work two jobs full time from here until then. And at that date, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation and say, like, something's got to give or which one works, which one doesn't, you know. And, and and if that means at that point that we have to continue the sprint for another six months or something, that's fine. But you have to put I think you have to put a date on it so that you know when to stop. Right. And you know when to take account for how things are, because especially, you know, when you're working 
you know, 80 hours a week or whatever, your head's down and you don't really necessarily see the repercussions of stuff. You don't necessarily see how your kids need more of you or how your wife needs more of you or how the business is not getting what it needs or whatever the case is. So you have to look up sometimes. So that's what we did. And, you know, part of that conversation with my wife was obviously I'm going to be gone you know, mentally, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be fully accessible for that sprint because I'm going to be working a full-time software job during the day. And when that's done, I'll have dinner with the family. That's the thing that we always do. And then I'm probably going to go back to work until midnight and weekends. I'm going to be working. And that sounds awful and it sounds selfish yeah. and it sounds, you know, <laughs> I get it. Um, and that's why I think you have to put an end date on it so that that doesn't go on forever and you don't ruin the rest of your life trying to pursue a job. That's what happens with uh, startup companies a lot. And I think that's why a lot of startups are run by early 20s single people because they don't have those attachments and they're willing to put in those long hours without a big repercussion on their life. Um, But anyway, so I I had that conversation with her. We both knew that that was going to go on and we knew that there was, you know, it was going to be exhausting for a while. And it was. But honestly, before we even got to that nine months, like... I was like, this software's got to go. Like, it's in the way. You know, this this nine to five thing that's providing money and providing healthcare and providing all this stuff is just yeah. in the way, and it's got to it's got to go. And she totally agreed with me, which was fantastic. So, was that when you when you when you saw that, Bob? Um, was it more because you were so passionate about what you were doing on on the side with the making, or was it because you saw the business opportunity? Uh, I think it was both. I think well, it was a combination of three things. I think I saw potential because when I went full time, I was not making what I was making in software. I was at maybe 50 percent, but I could see the potential, you know, right. watching the ramp of income over that nine months. I saw if it continues at this rate, I'll be back to my salary in another six months or so, theoretically. Um, and we can talk about that in a minute. But <clears throat> so I saw that. I found that all I cared about wanting to work on was making projects. Like, you know, software is making software is making something. It's making a tool for people to use and do their jobs better. So it does have value. But like, I'm just not invested in building software for IT people to install Windows on a computer in Singapore. That's what I was doing, basically, <laughs> you know, and like, uh-huh. great, that makes their day better. Awesome. But like, I don't care. You know, right. But I do care about seeing people uh, go, oh, that's not that hard. I can go this weekend in the shop and I can make a thing to make my life better. That's amazing. And so when I started seeing returns like that, um, I got really excited, you know, so it was kind of like the software stuff was fading away from interest because it just wasn't personal to me. The making was becoming a bigger interest and more gratifying because I could see it having a positive effect on like individual people. And then I could see the income, like the trajectory being really, really good down the road. So it was just the gamble was, will it stay at that same ramp or, you know, so that was kind of where I got to. And that, that was probably six or eight months into that process where I saw all that stuff happening. And then I knew that the software had to go. Yeah. And part of the thing I, I love about what I love that you call it a sprint. And I love that you talked about that, about getting the buy in from from whoever it is from from in your case, it's your wife and your kids, uh, because that's the other thing that I hear is like, I mean, I don't know if I want to take the jump and and 
And people will always ask me questions and talk to me about it. And I say, you know, for my, that's my first thing is like, okay, well, you're like, you know, are, are you married? Like, wh- what's your deal? Because if it's somebody who's single, it's so much easier. And, um, and my biggest thing that I've always told people and personally as well, and through seeing it through you is like, is like, you have to like, number one thing, you've got to be aligned with whoever your like partner in life is, right? Whether that's your, your parents or your wife and your kids, like whoever that is, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, um, because like you, like you said, like you're about to just like go into the depths of <laughs> just like running this sprint and you're not going to be available emotionally, physically, like for a lot of different reasons. And if they don't, if they don't, if they're not on board with that, then you're going to fail most of the time. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, putting a, an end date to it absolutely as well, because that was, that was huge for us. Cause I was like, yeah, this is going to really stink. But you know, on June 1st, or for me, it was like my 40th birthday. By the time I turn 40, this is like when we want to all this stuff to happen. Uh, and so like having that end inside, I think it, it makes it more concrete, like I said, instead of, of open ended. So I just, I think that's a really good lesson, uh, because I get so many questions about that from our listeners and from, from different people, but you know, John, what, what other, cause I know you were wanting to hit on some more of that, the sprint stuff. I mean, I think that, I think that the, uh, the, the whole dynamic of, um, being able to set expectations for what's going to happen and like, uh, and Bob, you and your wife sitting down and saying like, okay, this is going to suck, but like we're putting a cap on it in nine months. If our lives are in pure shambles, we reevaluate and we fix it and move on from there. Um, I see a lot of people drag out bad things that are happening to them because they don't set that cap. So that's like a great tip for anybody listening, like putting a time constraint on anything, whether it's your your small business yeah. or a project, like you get better results um, in those situations. And and I think that that's extremely important, as well as being able to put a timeline on uh, evaluation and and. Uh, taking time to look at the situation from a broader perspective because you nailed it. You put your head down and you go to work and you don't pick it up until months later or at whatever time. And and you look around and you're like, what happened to everything that was going on? And, yeah. and you do lose a semblance of that. So uh, a lot of our listeners are like, how do I take that leap? It's yes, you have to put your your head down and go to work. And yes, you have to realize that there's going to be uh, a lot of sacrifices that go on. Like, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll bet that a lot of your hobbies got put aside, you know, during that <laughs> nine months to a year. What are hobbies? You, yeah. <laughs> when, hobby? when you weren't working. And I mean, like all of us had that, right? I mean, yeah. all of us are looking at it as small business owners now. And it's like, well, yes, I, I know Bob, like you like rock climbing and you like to, you know, hang out with uh, your, your family and, and do things outside of just making stuff. Yes. But when you're building up the business, like those things go away. Like I haven't been hunting in three years and I love hunting. Like I haven't, I barely, I haven't gone fishing either. Like I have that stuff is, those are sacrifices need to be made. So setting expectations up in the forefront and then a timeline on them, I think is brilliant. Um, I mean, so, uh, Brad, you, you were, you were touching a little bit on there on like finding people who support you. I think that that's massively important as well. And that both of you, you know, have, um, supporting, uh, personal lives to chasing your dreams. You know, me being the uh, the guy that isn't married in in the conversation. Um, you know, I've I've had to go through similar things where the naysayers in my life, you know, friends and individuals who were like, "Oh, that's dumb! Like, you can't make a living on YouTube, or you can't, 
you can't do these things. Like, and they're just always putting you down. Like <laughs> you're going to run into those too. And, and, uh, and I think, uh, surrounding yourself with individuals who are positive is also something that's great. So, I mean, I, I guess that's a little bit more reflective than, um, diving into the deeper stuff, but I think, um, something that, you know, comes up for all of us is, uh, is the whole, uh, once you get into it and you're grinding through a quote unquote passion, and I want you to touch a little bit on the, um, the takeaways that happen in that next phase where, uh, your passion becomes work. And as we all know, work is work and you can't, and you're not always going to be as fired up as you were when you got started. Oh man. Uh, yeah, that's tough. So the, the biggest thing that I've seen that the, the biggest way I've seen that play out for me is, uh, is kind of keeping pace. Like every time I make a thing, I'm still excited about the thing. I'm still excited about the, once I get to cutting a piece of wood or whatever the, you know, that's exciting. And then Mm -hmm. when I sit down and go, okay, well, for the next month, I have to come up with four ideas. I have three sponsors and I have to make sure that I shoot those ad spots and get them over to the guy and get approval on them and make sure I have this and make sure blah, blah, blah. That is, that's so far away from standing in front of a saw making a thing. But Mm -hmm. that's what the business is. The business is not making stuff. Like, John, you make things and sell the things some. My my content (laughs) is, I mean, yeah, my content is my product. So the the stuff that I make is just the vehicle to be able to create content. And that's that took me a little bit to get my head around, even after I started doing it. Like, you know, I never really thought about selling the stuff that I made, but I would still think about the thing I made being the product. And at some point, there was a shift where I went like, huh, like the thing is kind of irrelevant. I mean, it's, it's what drives people to my content, but the thing itself is not getting sold. It's not really generating any money, maybe plan sales or something. Um, and so I had to kind of reevaluate, uh, how, how frustrating it was to do planning because the planning is a necessary part of being able to make a product, make my content. And so, uh, you know, it used to be really frustrating to, to do the planning end of things and to try to keep everything up, all the balls in the air. And it still is sometimes, but now I have a better kind of grasp of how important all that stuff is and how that is the business. And that is the thing that I have to keep alive. Making stuff is the easy part, honestly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's running the business. And that's, you know, Bob, as, as I've gotten to know you, better over, especially over the past year. I mean, I think that's one thing that's really stood out to me about you. Uh, it, it, in the last, so you've been doing this full time for three years and almost every week, uh, if, if not, I, I think you have missed a few weeks for whatever yeah. reason, but, um, you know, you've put out a project like every single week and sometimes multiple projects a week and some of these things where you're, you know, trying some new experiments and stuff. So like, you know, th- that's, what's always impressed me about you is, is your, ability to stay on point and on task, you know, like walk us through there. Like what, how do you do that, man? What are your secrets? What are, <laughs> what's your uh, special, what's your Excalibur that you're wielding out there to slay this? Planning? Oh man. Well, so uh, we've talked the three of us offline have talked about the tools, some of the tools that I use and I'm using something called Airtable right now. And it has, before it, I was using Trello for basically the same thing. Um, but I think having a tool like that is makes planning so much easier to keep track of because I have a tendency to try to like hold all the stuff in my head and 
you know, like I'll, I'll try to remember all the dates and all the people that I have to be in touch with and, you know, all this stuff. Um, and that's when my mind starts to get real cloudy and I, I spin and I just go like, well, I got to do this thing, but I also have to do that. And I can't do this one until I do that. And that's when it's all in my head. That's how I get. So having something like Trello or Airtable gives me a central place to dump that stuff out of my brain to make a visual schedule that says like these four projects are coming up for the next month or whatever. Um, and next to them, I can put what they need so I don't have to remember it. And so having something, and whether that's a piece of paper on your desk, having something like that to be able to brain dump and look at it from like a mile high view for me is really, really helpful. And so Trello is good for that because it's, it's just a list. It's a bunch of sticky notes on a, on a board, basically, in digital form. Um, Airtable takes that another step where you can have multiple things that kind of interact with each other. You can have a list of projects. You can have a list of sponsors. You can have a list of dates. You can have whatever you want and connect things. So you can say this date is connected to this video, which is connected to this sponsor. And so that, for me, eases up and some of the, the brain connection stuff that I have to remember how everything's connected and what the dates are for all these things. And now that I have kind of a team, um, having a tool like that that's digital and accessible, you know, by everybody from right, everywhere. Collaboration. Yeah, that, that's yeah. huge. Because, I mean, you know, the, the pieces of paper on my desk don't get everywhere they need to be, you know, for everybody else to see them. Having a tool like that is amazing. And so another little piece of that is... I I have a have you used IFTTT? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if this yeah. then that. Yeah. So, I have a little thing set up there where on my phone I have an app that'll open up and it's just a text field and a button. And so I can open it, it opens really quickly. I type in a project idea anytime no matter where I am if something comes up and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I totally need to make a 3D printed live edge table." Whatever that would be. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> <laughs> um I type that in and hit the button and close my phone and it's gone. But what that does behind the scenes is it sticks it in my project ideas list in Airtable. It puts it in a safe place so it's recorded. I haven't lost the idea. And it marks it like, come back to this and figure out what to do with this idea. And I've been doing that for probably three or four years now. And that has saved so many ideas from being lost for projects. And when you're creating content on a weekly basis, like you need a lot of project ideas. And I write down, I don't know, probably seven or eight ideas for every one that I make. Most of them are bad. Most of them will never right. get done. <laughs> but, you know, I write them down so I don't lose them. And then I can go back and see like, well, this is a kind of cool idea for something, but it's not really a project. And so I'll leave it here. I can think about it for six months, come up with some thing around it. But so I think the combination of being able to just immediately dump an idea, not lose it, get it recorded somewhere, and then have an organization structure where I can come back and look at things at, you know, basically my, uh, my air table is I can look at the next three months worth of content at, the, at one time and I can schedule out three months or I mean, I can schedule whatever, but I do about three months and that lets me look at what projects are coming up, what sponsors they have whether they have been shot or they need pre-production, if they have plans, like all of this information in basically a spreadsheet form. And that one tool is really kind of the core of how I run 
the whole business and it's free. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, can't yeah, beat that. That, that so, and, and just for you guys out there who want to learn more about this, we will have links down below. And also, uh, Bob talked about it. We will absolutely have a link. Uh, Bob does have a book called Making Time. We'll have a link to that. And it kind of talks about his story and his journey to get there. Uh, I know you just came out with the audio version of that, right? Um, I'm not a big yeah. read paper reader, so I'm going to listen. I have not listened to that yet, but that's definitely going to be on my listen. Uh, so I have a link to that. But so Airtable and Trello, we have talked about Trello uh, before on the show. And, and those, like Bob was saying, are just kind of they're online tools. Both of those are online tools in the cloud that it stores everything there. Plus, they have mobile apps for your phone. So they work really well. Um Bob, you just told us about Airtable, John and I, maybe three or four weeks ago. Yeah. Nice. Mind blown. Like John and I have just been awesome. like diving down. And because so kind of the running joke on the show is like, I love spreadsheets. And so like, this is like an online <laughs> spreadsheet. Like, and, and, and so instead of me having to link everything together, uh, yeah, we have like, we were literally, John and I are just last night, we're talking about Airtable and like show, we were like screen sharing. He's like, no, check this out. No, I was like, no, let me sc- share my screen. And like, we were showing each other our Airtable setups and we were like, oh, I like that. I like that. It's, it's a really powerful tool. And like I said, it is free. It's awesome. And, um, I really like the linkage and the, what you can do as far as like yeah. what you said, you know, so you can have, you can have contacts in there. You can have sponsors, you can have a materials list, you can have ideas, you can have a schedule and all those things work together. Uh, so we'll have a link down below and they've also got some pretty cool learning tools on there as well. Uh, and so, yeah, just, just digging into it over these past few weeks. Uh, I think John and I both have seen like, wow, this is a powerful tool. And the funny part is, is like we had just gotten up to snuff on Trello and it was like, <laughs> oh, great. Now, yeah, like Bob. And so, yeah, by the, by the time this airs, even Bob might be on to, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. Zippy, <laughs> zippysheets.com or something. Like, no, I think I'm good for I'm good for a little while. One of the other th- really cool things about Airtable that I think gets missed a little bit is that um, you can upload attachments, so you can add files yeah. to fields. And around content creation, there are a lot of like ancillary pieces of media. So like you'll often have, at least for me, you know, every video has music in it, which I get from a royalty service. And so we actually can upload the music, the MP3 files that we use along with a project, with a video. So we can go back through the schedule and be like, oh, we use this song twice in the last month or whatever. Um, Talking points for ad reads. We now upload the PDFs so that um, my editor and Josh both have access to the talking points to make sure I'm covering everything when they're editing an ad. You know, so there's a bunch of things like that that you can uh, you can use it as a storage mechanism to store that other media that goes with a piece of content. And there's a file size limit there. I think you have to start paying for it eventually, but, um, but yeah, it does all sorts of stuff that yeah, the, the maybe piece, is not really obvious. Right. It is. Back. And that the piece that I found in that project ideas, you can also do attachments from your phone. And so I found myself, I was doing a project idea and um, you can use the attachment and take a picture straight from your phone and the camera. And so like I had an idea and then I was like, it, the idea, there was a certain piece of the project of the, or the idea that, you know, I really couldn't write down in words. You know, it's like one of those things where you visually see it and it's like you can't describe like, oh, that compound, you know, undercut. It's like you, you need a picture. And so you can attach that picture and the app is actually really nice to do that. So I found myself yeah. using that uh, here in the past couple of weeks as well. What I really love about um, the conversation is is like it's it's applicable across whatever you're doing. Um, I think one thing that you're a master of, Bob, just in speaking off 
um, off the show is, is systematizing aspects of the business that are extremely important and vital to its, to its, uh, existence and just being a natural at it. I mean, like the way you've talked about Trello for years, you know, most of us like struggle to use those things. Airtable has been great for me coming from content production and, uh, product production, as well as even getting the show managed on, on its own sheet. Hmm. Um, and, and what's really cool is all those aspects that you said, but what I think has been most valuable to myself is dumping clutter out of my head and, uh, and getting things yeah. that I don't, you know, so what a lot of, um, CEOs and entrepreneurs don't realize is that <laughs> you function so much better when you're not dealing with minute little detailed clutter type of, um, parts of parts of your business. And this is why people have assistance. This is why people have um, people are in places inside their business to take those uh, tasks off of them so they can focus on higher level stuff. And I think you just naturally do that um, with your with the way you systematize things. And I think Airtable is a great tool for it. But uh, but I, I I know personally the importance of getting um, like little, I, I guess, annoying tasks out of your head and things that just aren't uh, blocking your ability to do higher level type things is hugely important to any side of business. Um, you know, n- writing a note that's just says, you know, uh, remember to call so-and-so, uh, 3 PM Thursday and boom, having it done. Someone else puts it on your schedule. Like, Oh yeah, I forgot I had this call because all of us do that so often. Um, and it's applicable yeah. for any, any type of business. You don't have to be doing content. Yeah. I mean, you could be, I mean, you could be yeah. selling cars and, and these types of systems you have your whole production schedule, right, John? I mean, that's what I think the cool thing for our listeners who are not content creators that, uh, John, you know, you're putting work orders and stuff in there and managing that as well. So, I mean, I think there's, yeah. there's a good side of that. So, I think even though, Bob, you do it really well for the content side, this is applicable to to anybody. And that's that's kind of what we want to get at is, is try to give folks a, some better tools to manage their their day and their business. And I think there's even some other ways, like even if you weren't into Airtable or if you didn't need something that, you know, robust, I think even taking that same idea and using, you know, Siri or one of the other assistants, the digital assistants to do the same thing, instead of remembering that you have to call somebody, take the two seconds to say, hey, Siri, remind me to call this person at 9 p.m. tonight. Oh, my phone just woke up because I said that. <laughs> um, But you know what I mean? Like that's a way that you're putting it in the hands of something that is capable that will remind you. And you're getting it out of your head. And there's a million different ways to do that. But yeah, I totally agree. The more you can get that stuff out of there, the more kind of mental power you're freeing up to put into whatever it is you're looking at right now. And that's way more important than just holding all this stuff. I found that like personally, I'll um, I'll take these tasks that feel like they're big. They'll, they'll feel like they're going to take a long time or they or I haven't quite given them the attention they need or something. And I'll hold on to them like, well, I can't you know, I can't do this work on my car right now. So I'm just going to remember that I have to do it. And it stays there in the back of my head for a month. Every time I wake up, every time I have a free moment, it's like, oh, should I go do the car thing? No, uh, I'll I'll wait. I don't know. And then when I finally get around to it, it takes 10 minutes. Yeah, right. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I wasted so much of my mental capacity over the last month when I should have just, you know, either like this morning, I literally took my car to a place to get work done that I've been thinking about for a month doing myself because it's, it's a waste of time. Yep. It's a waste of energy. And now it's being done while I'm doing this show and it will be done at lunchtime today. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like any anytime you can dump that stuff out in some way or farm out a task to someone who is capable to get it done and get it off your plate, it's totally worthwhile. 
Yeah, and that's yeah. Uh, kind of like going back to the 80-20 we talked about earlier uh, in an earlier episode, Brad, is like, <laughs> you should be focusing on the 20% of the business that generates the most outcome for you or your life in, in general, too. Like, you don't need to be focusing on, like, the color of the, uh, you know, pepper that you're buying for dinner. Like, <laughs> get those things out yeah. of your head um, as much as you can. And I think, uh, and I think using these systems um, and creating the systems uh, and putting the and, and one other thing a lot of people have issue with is putting the time into learning them. It was like we talked about Fusion um, in, in a personal yeah. sense a couple weeks ago. And Fusion 360 is a um, it's a free drawing program for creating 3D models, and it's you know it's got a lot of um, upside to it. Um, and and for me, I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dump 25 hours into learning it. And you're like, oh no, dude, take this course. It's like you learn the basics in three three or four hours, and I put that time aside, and it's like, wow. Fusion's been, you know, making my life a lot better because of uh, how I work with it. And a lot of us have issues with taking the time to learn, you know, a system for organizing your business or creating a system in order to take everything from inquiries or project ideas or, uh, you know, process approvals or drawing approvals and all of that stuff. Um, And I I think you do it, you know, at least from what you convey to us pretty naturally. Um, And I think it's why you have a ton of success is like you're super organized. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at least the way it I'm seems kind to of us. Organized. I think a lot of that is honestly from being in the software industry mm-hmm. because you have to, when you go to write a piece of software from scratch, you have to think ahead and you have to have, well, I mean, if it's going to work and it's going to be good, you have to kind of know where you're going with it and you have to organize it from the ground up so that by the time it's finished and sits for six months and you have to come back and fix something, it's not a mess of wires that you don't, that you didn't label. You know, it's like, you have to organize it so that you can inevitably come back and fix something down the road. Um, and I think it's just a, that was kind of beat into me <laughs> by writing software for other people for a really long time and being on a team, you know, where you have to, somebody else has to be able to step into your shoes, take over the work and know exactly where things are and how it's supposed to work. And, you know, it's a symptom of that. Yeah. So, so switching gears a bit, Bob, like as you were getting in and you, you went through your sprint and you got in, you said, all right, like we're, we're doing this. Um, what did that, what did that first bit, like after you went full time, what did that look like, uh, for you? And, and did it go how you thought it was going to go or were there some ahas or was it just like now that you had this extra 40 hours a week freed up, did it, did it just accelerate I, I think yes to all that. It was kind of crazy because <laughs> the uh, the big thing that I didn't really expect, because I didn't think about the fact that I was working two jobs at the same time. And then when one of them disappeared, like from one day to the next, yeah, there was an extra 40 hours in the week. And I was like, whoa, huh? Like this, is, oh, this isn't bad. I got all this free time now. And then over the course of like another month or two months, that time just disappeared. You know, yeah. it like. I think that's one thing about having, you know, being a small business owner of any kind that people don't really expect is that there is always work to do. Like no matter what, there's never a point in your entire career that you will be like, yep, cool. I'm done. I'll, I'll, I'll go at it tomorrow. (laughs) No, there's, there's like a pile of work to be done. And it's just a matter of like deciding when you want to do it. You know, I mean, sometimes it's not important. Sometimes it can wait or whatever, um, but it's always there. I saw a thing on Facebook a while back that was like, 
uh, it was like a little picture and it said, yay, it's, it's Friday unless you own your own business and it's always Wednesday. And I thought that was perfect <laughs> because it was like, yeah, it's always the middle of the week, no matter what you're doing, where you are in the process of whatever, there's always work to be done. And so I think that's maybe something that I didn't quite expect. You know, I didn't really think through and I have owned businesses before. Um, so, you know, I, I have run through this stuff, but in those previous ones, I always had a business partner. So there was kind of like a split between like, I'll do the development work and he'll run the business. So I didn't always have to think about like whether deals were happening and all that stuff. But anyway, now I got to think about all of it. I got to think about, you know, uh, the content itself. I got to think about like what's going to be generating enough income over the next six months, over the next year. Um, I've got a full-time employee now, so I've got to make sure that everything is in line so I can cover his salary and, you know, he has work to do. Like I'm traveling next week and I've had to think for the past couple of weeks about like, what can I set up for him to be able to accomplish and get stuff done while I'm not here creating content? You know, he's still got to have work to do. He's still got to have things to be productive. So there's a whole set of things that I'm still kind of figuring out and learning. Um, so I, even even right after making that switch, like your to your question, I learned a whole bunch of stuff right off the bat, but it, it's not like it's settled. I think I'm still constantly going like, oh, well, now I have to figure out how to plan this, and I have to figure out how to now, you know, like I had to start doing payroll. <laughs> now right, I can't do payroll. Right, that's weird. Yeah, um, I, so, I mean, I, I I think I even talked about it a few episodes ago, but it's the same thing. Like when I went full time, it it was really awesome. Uh, but then it was just this expansion. I can't remember if they, if that's Murphy's law or cause Murphy's got a couple laws, but uh, where it's like, just, you know, you, you, the time that you have is the time that you'll take kind of thing. And so oh, everything Parkinson's just, law. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There. So it just expands, you know? And, and it's like when I, the things that I took for granted in my day job and yours is different cause you work from home a bit. So I had this commute and I had a long commute. I had an hour commute and I would talk on the phone to sponsors, to to John, to, you know, other creators. And I used that time where I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, and like, then as I started going, I was like, oh, cause I remember like after I had been gone full time, like I didn't talk to like anybody else for like three weeks. And I was like, oh, I, I've, I need to talk to some, like, <laughs> you know, so I kind of yeah. lost this little lifeline or like the, the time and, and everything just kind of expanded. And so it was like, yeah, I've got this, all this other time, but all of a sudden just everything else just went loop and just swooped in and took that time. Yeah. Uh, and so it was kind so of, Kind of interesting. I have a question for you. Did you, uh, because I didn't go from having a commute to not having a commute. Um, did you find that being a weird transition, like that decompression time in between one job and family or, you know, one part of your life and another part of your life? Did losing that feel strange? Yeah, it it, it, it was and it is because... Um, so a lot of times what I would do, I'd almost always uh, listen to music on the way home unless I was on a call with somebody. And, uh, you know, I would just I had a 45 minute to an hour commute and uh, it's going driving through downtown Nashville. So sometimes it was like adding more stress <laughs> because the traffic was so bad. But I'd try to, you know, even if it was bad traffic, I'd try to just kind of sit back and be like, OK, like I'm just going to relax and decompress and then like get into family mode. Cause then when I get home, I see the kids and then put them to bed and then go do the side hustle. Um, but now, and, and it, it, that's absolutely something I struggle with even now because, uh, and especially, so we just had spring break last week and the kids were home. I've not been through a summer cause I went full time in August. So the kids were back in school already. 
So having the kids home for a week and not being like out at work and then coming home, it's like I'm here in the office where, I, where I'm recording right now and right out that door is the kitchen. Yeah. Right. And so during spring break, it was like, you know, every 15 minutes or 30 minutes it'd be like, knock, knock, knock. Or, you know, a lot of times I would even ha- just have the door open and they'd come in. And so it was like, there is no buffer mm-hmm. in between work and family at all. And even if family becomes, you know, an interruption and you never want to think about your family as an interruption, but you know, when you've got work to do and you get a full-time job, you're working from your home, you got to have that separation. So I'm still trying to work that out. So absolutely. It, it's been difficult because there's no transition, there's no buffer time. And so, you know, my, my son comes in and is asking me a question and I'm like still in a bad mood because I just realized that I, you know, I can't get this thumbnail the way I want it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. Photoshop. Like, so something is going south in the business and then I don't have any decompression time to be like, all right, put this to the side, and, you know, and that, that the downside of that is that, you know, sometimes I'm like, look, not right now. I like, I, I will be with you in uh, five minutes. And that's not the way I want to be as a dad. Right. But, um, so I'm still trying to figure out, uh, actually I've been one of your projects from long ago. I've been thinking about like, I, maybe I need to do that. Like, uh, your on air, your oh, on air yeah. light that you had, I think for your shop yep. and just being like, you know, working or something like yeah. do not disturb and kind of have that separation because yeah, that's, that's a struggle, man. That's when you're working from home and you have a family, especially when you have smaller kids, um, that can be. And so for summertime, I'm trying to like prepare, like this spring break was like a, a kind of a, a short term preview of what it's going to look like in the summer. So, yeah, uh, I'm kind of interested. I don't know. Like, how do you how do you manage that during the summer when the kids are out of school? Well, I mean, I've been working from home for probably nine years now. And so we, we've just gotten into a rhythm of they know during my day they're just not allowed to come. And I've always had a, a separate it's in the house, but I have a door that goes downstairs to where my shop, and my office is. So they have to make special effort, you know, to go into that space not right off the kitchen. Um, yeah. And so we, my door is directly next to the bathroom. Yeah. That's tough. Which they that, go to, you know, yeah. <laughs> four times a day. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of have just taught them over time that, you know, during the workday, like dad's just not here. Like you just, and if it's an emergency and if I hear somebody screaming or something, I can always run up and, you know, take care of stuff. But, uh, we just had to put that in place. And my wife is really awesome about that. She knows that, you know, I have to do the work during work time and I try really hard. I'm not very good at this, but I try really hard to focus fully on work when I'm at work and focus fully on family when I'm with family. And that is a super hard thing to do, but it makes both of those times more productive and more worthwhile. So even though I don't get four hours a day with my kids, the three or two or whatever I do get, I try to be there and I try to not be thinking about sponsors and try to not be thinking about what else I have to shoot for this thing. Um, but I think that's kind of my way around it is that, you know, we just try to set aside work time is work time and dad is not accessible. He's he's down there. He does his thing. And then when I walk upstairs and shut that door, work is gone and work is gone until the next day. You know, that's kind of where I'm trying to get. But like I said, I'm not not great at it all the time. Yeah, I think that's a constant struggle for anyone who owns a business is like not being in the business 24 um, seven because there's just so much going on and and. And all of us deal with it. And, you know, because you own your time, quote unquote, which is <laughs> what everyone outside your business says is the best part. Like, oh, but you're living your dream and you work for yourself. It's like, oh, yeah, am I? <laughs> but um, besides that, you get caught up mentally in the gymnastics of dealing with 
the million things going on every day. Um, one, one thing I've had success with as well in my personal life is like setting designated time aside, you know, and, and I get it a lot from, from people in my personal life. They're like, Hey, come to this golf outing or event or do this. And I'm like, no, that's, that's all my schedule is work. I can't just give you a Tuesday afternoon to go golfing because I work for myself. They're like, you work for yourself. And it's like, no, that's work time. And when I set time aside for personal life or for, you know, family and, and things like that, that's when I'm able to mentally get away from it. And I think by creating that clear line, you have a much better chance to succeed than trying to manage all of it at once at the same time for, uh, and, and, you know, as a piece of advice for anybody that's trying to balance personal and business, um, because you, I, I think that I'm actually perform less in both sides of it when I'm trying to do, do both at the same time. Mm. Um, I read a quote last week on an entrepreneur magazine. I think it was that said, uh, for every distraction that happens during a time of like extreme focus, it takes 25 minutes to get back into uh, that state of mind where you were. So by putting distractions in your life or uh, distracting yourself from even things like you said, if you're focusing on hanging out with the kids, but it, some, someone makes a call and, you know, you you try to schedule having, you know, a 15 minute conversation with a sponsor and they're like, you're now 40 minutes removed from what you were doing with your yeah. kids mentally and that's 40 minutes you can't get back. And uh, so I think drawing those clear lines is extremely important. And it's also kind of interesting, like this week right now, my family is on spring break. And because I'm traveling for work next week, uh, I didn't go with them. They went to Florida. She, My wife took the kids to Florida for the week and I had to stay here. And that's like a weird double-edged sword. Like, I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm here by myself for a week and I can work, but I'm missing spring break <laughs> with my family, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so the part of me was like, all right, well, I'm going to heads down this entire week. I'm going to work late. You know, I'm going to just work, 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 and make a, get a bunch done and take advantage of it. And the other night my brother called and said, hey, do you want to come over for dinner and watch a movie? And I'm like, sorry, I, I have got to get a lot of stuff done. And as soon as I sent that text, I was like, what? forget that man. <laughs> and I wrote it back and I'm like, why in the world did I just turn down dinner with a family because I have work to do? And so like, I'm getting to the point now to where I'm, I'm really trying to say like full days I'm there, but I cannot turn down personal interaction and time with family and time with friends because there's work to be done because there's always going to be work to be done. And so I've made a special effort this week, even though it's against my nature to be like, yes, I will go out to dinner with you tonight. Yes, I will go out, you know, and I'm, I'm taking like three or four dinners this week with my family, which I never, ever, ever do. But this is a time when I got to force myself to like, not look at the computer, <laughs> not be in the shop. Yeah. I've got to go maintain these relationships because that's way more important, you know, overall. Yeah. I, I've, I've been doing that same thing, Bob, actually just over the past year to two years is that uh, I'm in Nashville, right? And so people are always coming to Nashville for different reasons. Uh, and if somebody's in town and they're like, hey, I'm in town, can, can we grab a drink or, you know, lunch or dinner or whatever? And, and these are typically like friends that, you know, a lot of them for from Cincinnati or from college or from wherever. And um, typically I've been like, ah, you know, I mean, Nashville, I mean, I am, I'm just south of Nashville. So it's, you know, it's a 20 minute drive. I got to go park. And then, and what I was realizing is the same thing is like, Okay, first of all, like most of the stuff is at night. So the stuff I'm doing, like I'm already burning the midnight oil when I I probably should be, you know, (laughs) getting to where I can try to get more of a nine to five. And it's like, I'm not going to turn those down. Like if people are in town, 
uh, that are people who I have a relationship with that I have not seen in a while. Like I need to put that time in and especially like, like family, we're pretty good about that. We have, uh, my, my sister's got four kids. We've got three kids. So like we have birthdays, like constantly, like we're constantly doing birthdays. So we're always getting together. Like we never skip that or anything, but it's my, uh, you know, the friends that I, I typically don't have the time to hang out with. And so that's something I've really trying to been work on as well. It's like, you know, that's, that's the stuff you need to make time for. And I think what's interesting and maybe this is a good, a good segue into like where you're at with your business now and kind of where you're going is that what I found too, is that, um, I'm, I'm a little bit out of the grind, even though I'm not where I want to be by any stretch of imagination. I don't think any of us ever are. Uh, I'm very well established. I've got some things that are in place that are, that are long-term. So I've got a list of stuff. I'm not necessarily like grinding to go get new work. I just kind of need to execute and do the stuff I'm, I'm doing. So I feel like I can, I can pull back. And I know that like, if I, if I lose an hour tonight or two hours, like I can make that up. Like it's not going to kill me. Uh, and so like, as, as you've transitioned in your business and in the channel and, and I mean, you're, dude, you're closing in on 2 million subs on YouTube. I know you've gotten a lot of a, a great work. You're working with some really cool new companies and sponsors and stuff. Like I've, I've seen that unfold. Um, you know, how has that changed your mindset or are you, are you driving like as, as hard as you were, uh, to try to, you know, are there, there goals that you're going after, or have you been able to be like, all right, I've got this stuff in place. Now, let me take some steps back and either make, you know, maybe think about new things like you're like getting your book out and do, you know, what does that look like for you? And how is it transitioned from going now that you've kind of got a steady base? Uh, what do you are you looking to push forward in new arenas or what does that look like for you? Well, it's kind of it's weird. It's kind of a combination of both of those things. So I I tried over the last year or so, pretty much since we moved to Kentucky, which was last August, um, I've tried to really lock down nine to nine to six, basically. Um, it used to be that my wife had stuff to do in the evenings. So if she was gone, once I got the kids to bed, I would always go back down and work for a couple more hours, a few nights a week. Since we've moved, that schedule is different. And so I've tried really hard to be like, when I walk upstairs at six o'clock, the workday is done until the next morning. And that's not always the case, but that's the case more often than not. So from that perspective, the grind is not quite as you know, hectic and it's not quite as like all consuming as it used to be. Um, the flip side of that is that I'm still creating new content every single week. And so the amount of work that had to be done is not less than it was, but I'm actually putting in less time. <laughs> so the time that I do put in is a little, I think more intentional and more like feels hurried a little bit. There's a little bit of like a kind of like I'm running downhill all day, you know, like it's, it's, there's a mo there's a momentum to it that I'm trying to keep up with. And, you know, since then over this, I guess last October, uh, Josh started working with me, he came on full time. And so I, a lot of the tasks that I was doing every week, I am offloaded to him. And so now he's doing, that sounds like that would also give me more free time. But in reality, it's given me that same time has been replaced with now I'm trying to do bigger projects to fit larger things into the same boxes of time. So it's kind of weird uh, overall that I'm scaling back hours, but those hours have become a little bit more compressed as far as like what I'm trying to fit into them. I've brought in more hours by bringing on another person, but I'm still not, I don't actually have any more time than I had before. Um, and then as far as like looking ahead, I really have never 
<laughs> people have asked me several times, like, what's your plan in five years? I'm like, five years? What? I don't know. Man, what are you crazy? <laughs> I've never really planned this out. Like, I, I don't have as much as I love to plan and as much as I love to, you know, think through the outcomes and try to figure out what's going to be. I really have not planned down the road on this. Like, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like in three years or in five years or whatever, and you know, 20 years. I mean, I still have a lot of work left in me, but I don't know if YouTube's going to exist. I don't know how this stuff's going to be. Um, and so actually this morning I went for a walk and I started kind of thinking through like, this is not sustainable. As much as I would love to say that this is the fantastic job, this everything about this is perfect. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Making a new video, fully produced video and a new project every single week for the rest of my life would kill me. And it would kill anybody because it's just, it's a huge amount of work. I love it for now. It's not sustainable. So I started trying to think through like, what do I do? Like what, how do I, how do I continue to enjoy this? Continue to be productive and grow a business without doing exactly what I'm doing right now for the rest of my life. And I don't know what the answer is to that, but I am definitely at a point where I'm trying to figure out how to turn this thing into something that is not just uh, based on my personal physical limit. Because right now it is, you know, it's whatever I can physically put into it, what I can produce. Um, and maybe that means bringing in more people to make videos. Maybe it means making fewer videos, but finding another way to supplement the same amount of income, making, you know, I, I don't know exactly. There's a bunch of options. There's tons of podcasts and blogs that talk about all those options and all that stuff. But I don't know what that's going to be for me. <laughs> Is that a big enough answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, that's What I think is great is like, I think most of us are in the same boat is like we fell into an opportunity and we're taking advantage of it, whether regardless yeah. if it's in content production or if it's in, uh, you know, making and selling things. And I think what's important is to is to gauge the the uh, the expectation for the future as in, OK, it's going to come. You can't stop it. How can I create processes or systems that are going to succeed down the line? Um, one big thing, a lot of self-employed people and then a lot of us in small business do is the whole business is based around us. And that's technically not what a business is like a business is a self-sustaining entity that if you were to walk away, it would be able to generate income and revenue on its own. Um, and none of us have that ability right now. And that's kind of because we juggle being the owner and idea uh, person as well as the talent. Um, but, you know, looking and evaluating your own business and even in someone in, in, in where you're at right now with a, with a massive YouTube channel and, a, and an ever expanding and growing business, we're all doing it. I don't care if you're selling one cutting board a month or if you're doing $10 million a month, uh, you have to be able to have this like kind of, uh, like external perspective analysis of where you're at and what you're doing. And I think it's hugely important. Um, and that we, we talked about it. Uh, I can't remember what episode it was now, but as being able to, you know, self-evaluate and constantly look towards the future, I'm not a big goal guy either, Bob. And I'm not like, Oh, in five years, I want to be so-and-so making so-and-so doing so-and-so it's like, Nope, I'm going to just continue to counterpunch my way through life yeah. and probably, you know, see where I'm at. And if I have opportunities, I take advantage of them. Um, and that's kind of how I am as, as well. Well, so, and, and uh, I think to that, I think one of the things that makes the people that like us and, and people who make things for a living, make content for a living. One of the things that sets all of us apart from maybe general population is the fact that we are willing to do work to create a thing. 
And if mm. you have that built into you, then even if the thing I'm working on right now is not sustainable, it's not something that works long-term for whatever reason, I have the ability to learn another new thing. Like I mentioned yep. somewhere, I don't know where it was, but like if you have a YouTube channel about building houses, but nobody ever watches it, you can go build houses. Yes. And and if you know how to build a house, then you can build a cutting board. You can make a this, you can make a that. So those type of people are willing to make a thing as long as they can make it. And then when it's done, you can move on to something else. And so I, that's why I don't worry about the fact that I don't have a plan for five years because maybe I'll go be a voice actor because I've learned yeah. that I love doing podcasts and I love doing audio books. So I can do that. Maybe I'll, you know, I don't know, do a TV show. Maybe I'll do, I don't, there's a million opportunities, but I'm not really yeah. worried about it because I'm kind of, like you said, I'm taking whatever the opportunity is there. I'm going to go try that out and there'll be another one after that. And I'll try that one too. Yeah. I think there's, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever, if either of you guys have ever read it, there's a book called the E-Myth uh, by Michael Gerber. I just looked it up. Uh, I don't remember who wrote it, but uh, it's, it's the E-Myth and it's the E stands for the entrepreneur myth. And it's about like, about being an entrepreneur is like being a businessman, but really like it's all limited by your, what you can personally do. And so that's kind of the myth of being an entrepreneur is that you're going to own your own business and that, but that there's no leverage there. And I think that's, like you said, Bob, I, I think that's what sets apart the people who can really leverage and succeed at business is like to go beyond yourself. And, and I think, you know, in, in as much as you're still constrained, I mean, you're already doing that. Like, you know, I'm looking at Josh in the background right now, who's, you know, doing work for you. Like you've already, you, you've been outsourcing. And so as much as that work that you're doing right now is limited by the projects that you're doing, because you're the on screen person doing the work for most of it, um, you know, you, you've already done that. So it's like, it would only be a smaller step to all of a sudden, you know, now you add something else in and, and every third video, somebody else is doing it or doing half of it. And then eventually they're doing the whole thing. Right. And I know yeah. that that's something you can work through. And I think that's the cool thing is that when you get people who are in the, the maker space, who are building things with their hands, and then you mix in that business and entrepreneurial aptitude that, you know, you're going to figure it out. Like you're going to, at some point you're gonna be like, wow, this is no longer working. Right. So I, I've outsourced all these things. It's still no longer working. I can't keep doing this once a week. And then like all those things that you just sprinkled in there, like I'm going to pull this and I'm going to do something. And I think that's the the coolest thing is that it's a journey, right? And we're, we're all on this journey of like how we're going to uh, support our families and support our personal passions and make a living. And like the opportunities are so wide and vast like, that you can do anything with it. And I think, um, you know, keeping your head up out of there. So if, if you're, if you're somebody who's just, doing products, like make sure you're keeping your head up to look for the other opportunities. So I think that's when people can, can see that, that there are other things and that they're not locked into just building a house. Like you can, okay, now I know how to build a house. Well, what if I started making videos on it? Oh, if I did that, then it, and then by the time, yeah. you know, and then 15 years down the road, they're a voice actor. Right? Yeah, <laughs> It's like yeah. to be able to, to stay dynamic and flexible and understand that you have a skill set and that that can be used in many different ways. I mean, I think that's the real value in what you're saying is that you'll never be trapped. Like you'll never be trapped. If YouTube goes away, that means nothing to you. I mean, it means something to you, obviously, but your life is not wrapped into YouTube. Yeah. Uh, you're, you have a skill set that you can do 
hundreds of things with. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, YouTube right now is definitely the biggest piece of the pie for me, but it wasn't three years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you think about it that way, like I had a career, <laughs> I had a full career, right? And I and I owned a business and I sold a business and all that stuff through an entirely different career, a different line of thinking and product, and this is where I'm at now. In three years, five years down the road, it may be an entirely different thing. I think another important thing to think about that, you know, if you're going to start a business, content creation or otherwise, to not pigeonhole yourself so much that it would be difficult to make another step down the road. And I don't have a great example of that, but I know there's a lot of people who create product, like they'll make cutting boards for a living or whatever, and they create a business name and they create a following and they create all this social reach through the name of so-and-so's cutting boards. And to mm-hmm. me, that's super short-sighted. It's not wrong, but it's short-sighted because in six months when they decide that they're tired of making cutting boards, they have a gigantic following on social or something, but everybody knows them as a the cutting board person. So, you know, I right. think being taking a little bit of time to think down the road, like maybe I won't want to be doing just this one thing. So how can I open it up a little bit? And one example I have for that, people give me a hard time about this all the time. I say at the beginning of my videos, I say, I'm Bob at 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 I like to make stuff. And that was an intent- No, you say and no, I like no, to make I, stuff. No, I know. <laughs> that was an intentional choice before I made my first video in 2013. The The idea there was that maybe someday down the road, I won't be the only person at I like to make stuff the company. You know, maybe I will. And if I am, that's fine. It still works. It's not a big deal. But maybe down the road, I'll have to farm out, you know, have other people create videos on this channel, which is kind of where what you were talking about and kind of where this may end up going. I don't really know. But it's funny because it was I remember having the conversation with myself as like, how do I do an intro for a video? Well, I could say it this way and it would mean this. I could say it this way. But if I say at the company, maybe somebody else could be in there, too, down the road. And it's funny because all of these years later, now I'm looking at probably not a possibility, but I'm looking at the potential for that to actually happen because I've hit my my physical limit. So that's just as an example, like if you are going to start something, don't pigeonhole yourself so much that you will not be able to take advantage of the opportunities that may show up, you know, down the road as things grow because they probably will grow. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, one of our mutual friends, uh, Ben Ueda, is a great example of that, right? He's already outsourced. He has his sister, Jesse, making videos and, and Jamie making videos. So Homemade Modern is is his channel and he's already brought on, you know, he's brought on new talent and and he had the foresight to do that. So it wasn't called, his channel wasn't called Ben Ueda, yeah. you know, it was called Homemade Modern. So absolutely, that's, I mean, I think thinking ahead for growth is is huge. We've had that conversation when we had the logoing and branding conversation uh, you know, people's like, oh, my name is, uh, you know, Rustic Woodworks. I don't know, you know, maybe Rustic. So even like the style of yeah. work that you do, thinking ahead is saying, well, Rustic might not always be in vogue, right? So what does that look like? I mean, I think that's absolutely things that people need to think about as they're starting their business and even naming their business. And like you said, like, you know, beginning something that you know you're going to do in every single video. And, you know, you that's, you know, we didn't even touch on this, but you were just like, a brand master. I think we've, we've uh, used you as an example in the logoing. I think just your mindset about branding and logoing and, and brand identity is, is just super on point. And um, 
Yeah, my intros are all different, dude. I'm like, hey, sometimes I use my full name, sometimes yeah. I use my first names. <laughs> well, and see, and that's a, just another way to go. Like, I'm I'm really focused on consistent branding, consistency in all things, really. But um, so I decided ahead of time I wanted an intro to be a certain way. But I'm probably one of the very, very few people that do that. So that doesn't make it right, you know. That's just the way that I decided to do it. Um, and I think as far as like the way you, you, you do stuff like that, the way you logo yourself or name yourself or whatever, there's a million possibilities and none of them are really right or wrong, but I think whatever you pick to do, I think giving it a little bit of pre-thought and then sticking to something as long as it works, I think is a really good idea just because you do want to be memorable. You, you do want things to be, people are drawn to patterns. I think, and people are drawn to stuff that they're familiar with. And so if you can create some little thing that is familiar, when people come back to a video week after week, they start to get used to that familiar thing, you know? So whatever that is, whether it's saying the same thing every time or yeah. always having a smile on your face or always whatever, I think that's a really good thing to do. I know. And I'll tell you what, Bob, like whatever it was four months ago, five, I don't know exactly what it was. When you changed your intro after so many years, yes. I was a little taken aback. Yeah. I was like, he, because I, because like every time I'd watch your videos, I'd be like, he's I like, it just always impressed me. I was like, he has just stuck with that. Like the foresight to like, to still be comfortable with that and still like it. And then whenever you changed it, you know, where it's, you, you, you got the saw and the soldering yeah. iron and the grinding and the, and then uh, whenever it was, you know, so many, a few months back, I was like, oh, yeah. he, he changed it. Was it was at the beginning of this year. But the thing that's interesting about that is that the audio is exactly the same. And so somebody who came yeah. into it, I've had people who didn't even notice that it was any different because they heard the music. It just triggered something yep. in their brain that they knew, you know, this is the intro. And so I, I, I didn't like ditch it completely and, you know, start the videos. With, yeah. Like, some a of the same cuts too, right? Yeah. Yeah. The cuts are all to the same time. They're just different clips and they are, they're just more relevant. You know, I just ended up swapping yep. it out with stuff that I do now versus stuff that I did when I first got started. Yeah, I love the consistency aspect there, and I love how both of your brands are uh, vague enough that you can adapt to what's happening in your life or with the business um, organically as it grows. You know, making stuff is vague. It's not making, a, you know, making custom painted cornholes like I'm like that would be very difficult to change down the line. Like, uh, and, and we've talked about that. I kind of went the opposite direction as a personal brand because I had no idea what I wanted to do with it. Um, and so like John Malecki, like, all right, I'm always going to be him. And like, if I just embody that as like my brand, um, but it does pigeonhole me down the line on when it comes to bringing on quote unquote other talent. Like if I had other people writing or producing content for my channel, it'd be a little weird considering it's my name. So <laughs> like, uh, those are definitely important things to think about when you're setting yourself up for the future. And, and I love how everything just keeps kind of falling back to like having a plan and setting some structure to it and like taking the time to, um, put the effort in beforehand, uh, even whether it's coming into, you know, your nine month sprint, you know, to have the conversation beforehand and what goes into it, um, you know, setting expectations for things like that and your, your brand, for instance, uh, can definitely give you an opportunity to win long-term. And I think that's why there's been uh, so much success with, with your brand. I mean, like things have just continued to take off. I love seeing all the new projects, dude. They're like, <laughs> I got a 3d printer sitting next to me literally right now, inspired by yourself. Cause so Sweet. like, I think I think uh, awesome. I think what you're doing for all of us out here is, uh, you know, is incredible. And, and we all really appreciate it. I thought that that was like a good good section to just kind of like hmm. wrap the whole thing, because because, man, I'm just 
can't keep up with the note taking over here anymore. My hands. Are <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate yeah, that so very much. We, we uh, and, and yeah, Bob, we we obviously are are all inspired by you. One of the things we like to end uh, our interviews with is if you had one piece of advice that you would give yourself, you know, back starting out or somebody new, you know, it's kind of like a lot of the people that we're starting with are just starting new in business. So somewhere like, you know, getting fresh in the business, what's something that you would uh, give a piece of advice on, you know, any side of the business or, you know, personal life of what you would wish you had known then or something that will help them make them successful in their new business? Um, I think a lot of people ask me about work-life balance a lot. And I think a lot of people ask me specifically relative to kids, you know, working and, and having kids. But I, I wrestled with that for a really long time, trying to figure out like, what's the balance per week of, <clears throat> you know, how many hours I should work versus how many hours I should spend with my kids. And I think what I ended up landing on is that it's not a fixed percentage. It's not a, it's not a ratio that's always going to like, oh, I found it's 75% to 25% or whatever. I think it's a, <laughs> it's balancing. And so I think it's one of those things where there are certain times in my life where my kids could care less whether I was around or not. They're playing, they're doing basketball, they're doing homework, they're doing something where they don't need me. And that's fine. And so I don't really have to be there for that. And there are certain times when the business is growing great, we're multiple weeks ahead on video, and I don't really need to be there, you know, until six o'clock today. But the flip side of that is there are times when my kids need me in the middle of the day when I should be working or when I'm supposed to be working or whatever, but they need me. And that's important. And there are times when I have to work because if I don't, we don't get paid. So I think it's really important to remember that work-life balance is really about constantly reevaluating what needs me the most right now and putting myself there. And then tomorrow, it may be a different place. You know, that may be a different thing that needs me. And as long as you're always looking for what needs me the most in this very moment, not this week, not today, but right now, then I think it's pretty easy to to be where you need to be and give everything the time that it needs. I like it. I like it. That That is a struggle. I mean, I'm still facing that yeah. now, <laughs> you know, a couple of years in. You always but will. That's I love the thing, it, man. man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. No matter where you're at in the business, you're in your, you get a, it's like putting out the fires, right? But the same thing, yeah. that fire is not always a business. It could be a kid that needs you because somebody just bullied them at school or something. Right. right. I mean, it's like, you, yeah, your kids out there crying on the couch. You're not going to be like, yeah, I got a video dead and I'll be with you <laughs> in a half hour. Right. Like, you're going to put it down. I like that, man. I like that. Awesome. I'll tell you what, Bob, uh, I know we, we definitely went a little longer here, but a uh, great conversation, man. And um, you've been a lot of help to, to John and I know just both inspirationally as well as, you know, just, uh, offline and kind of working through some of this business side. So it's really great. I, I love the fact that we as creators in the community can work together so closely. So yeah. I really appreciate that, man. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's been awesome. No problem, Absolutely. man. Thank you. <laughs> man, Bob makes it sound so easy, doesn't he? He's just got a great mind for planning and organizing what he wants to do with his business. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, he's been a big help for both of us. I know that and uh, getting organized and, and just staying in front of the curve. Um, awesome interview. I gained a ton from it. Yeah, hey, guys, go back and just just soak in that Airtable piece. And I think that's something that John and I are really excited about, the Airtable application. So go ahead and check that out. We'll have a link in the bio, but it's just Airtable 
or we'll have a link in the description, the show notes. Uh, I'm, I just bounced in between YouTube, Instagram and podcast right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming over here too. So much knowledge coming from Bob that I just can't keep my own thoughts together. Yeah. Link in bio description show notes. Uh, yeah. So go check that out guys. And hopefully, uh, that can help you guys out too. Bob, thank you so much for coming on. And guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into our after show for our patrons right now. Again, if you want to be part of that, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. And we have an after show after every show uh, for about 20 minutes where we answer their questions. All right, John, let's go knock this out. Let's do it. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes, and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit, where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.